Um, as we, uh, we, we just lit the candle of preparation and, uh, and peace, and that font got all funny. Anyway, um, this morning, as it's the second Sunday of Advent, we're going to talk about preparation and peace. And uh, basically, actually, though, this is, a, this is a sermon about announcements. We just gave announcements, and now we're going to preach about announcements. So you're in for a real treat. No, this is two of the greatest announcements ever come in the Christmas story. Actually, in the, in the, the beginning of the Christmas story. If, you, if, if we talk about in the scripture, where is the Christmas story, most people would jump to Luke 2. Some would say in Matthew as well, but most would say, well, Luke chapter 2. But the Christmas story begins in Luke chapter 1, this incredibly long chapter, uh, but some very cool stuff happens. So two huge announcements. Here's the, uh, the first one. Uh, a, a promise is given, okay? Here, here's the promise, and it comes to this man. Now, this man is an actor. <laughs> it's not the actual photograph. Don't, well, obviously, it has color. The actual photograph is in black and white. Everybody knows that. This is Zachariah the priest. Zachariah is an old man, and he, his wife is named Elizabeth, and she's an old lady, and and now he's got some good pedigree. I mean, he's a priest in the order of Abijah, and his wife, she even is a descendant of Aaron. And so, you know, good stuff going here. Yeah, here's the problem. They don't have kids. And that might not seem like a problem to you, but that's, that's a huge problem. You know, barrenness is difficult no matter what age you're in, and it's a very, very hard thing. Um, it would have been extra hard in the ancient world for a couple of reasons. One, one was a very practical reason. Uh, there, there was no state system built to, to, to take care of elderly people. That's the first problem. So in other words, your children were the ones that were to take care of you when you were no longer able. Well, Zachariah and Elizabeth didn't have children, so that's a real problem. Their future is, is very uncertain. But the next one was maybe even a bigger problem, even though it, was, it wasn't... Uh, as, as practical, it was, it was more of the way that people looked at you and culturally, you see, they would blame you. They would think if you didn't have children, then you must be cursed somehow, or you must have done something to incur the wrath of God or something. And this was especially hard for the wife here, because it was always thought to be the wife's problem. So, there's a stigma around not having children. So here are these two wonderful people. In fact, Luke, the, the author here, he gives us a detail about them. He says that they walked blameless in the law of God. Now, that doesn't mean they, they never, ever in their whole lives did anything wrong. But they were walking blameless. They were, walk, they were doing everything according to what God had said. And so I think he puts that detail in there to tell us, Psst, the barrenness had nothing to do with the punishment, guys. Okay? So here they are. They're going to the temple. Now, back then, one historian I read said that there were about 19,000 priests in the country, which is a lot. Now, the temple was big, but it wasn't that big. I mean, you don't want 19,000 employees running around. Have you been helped, sir? Have you been helped? That's, that's incredibly irritating. So what they would do... Is, is they would do it in shifts. They would come and they would work a couple of weeks, and that was it. They would, they would come. The only other times they would come are on the, the three major feasts. So they'd be scattered throughout the land, and they, they would come and work there two weeks and go home. Now, 
when they got there, there were certain things, certain duties that weren't actually handed out to individuals uh, ahead of time. And one of those things was to burn incense. And so Zechariah goes with all the other priests. There had to be hundreds of them there coming on this particular ship. And they say, okay, it's time to decide who's going to, uh, uh, who's going to burn the incense. You had to go by yourself into the holy place of the temple. It was an incredible honor to be able to do that. Well, the way they decided was something that would be scandalous to us today. They, they casted lots. This is a modern day, <laughs> modern equivalent would almost be, you know, playing dice. Who's going to be, who's going to be the one? And so, but it was, it was sort of putting it in God's hands. That's the way they, they saw it. That's the way they viewed it. So who is going to get the privilege of going into the holy place? And it was Zechariah. So think about that, first of all, the privilege of that, that he must have felt. Out of all the hundreds of other priests that had gathered, he is the one that gets to go into the holy place where the presence of God was said to be and offer up the incense to the Lord. A beautiful thing. So he gets the chance, and finally he steps in there with all of his history and all of his baggage, and, and, and he, he lights the incense, and suddenly... A bee is there. And he must have been scary. The fact that everybody in the, the Bible seems to freak out when they see an angel leads me to think that our modern idea of angels with the, on the wings and the fat little babies and stuff is like, this is not what they look like, okay? <laughs> Gabriel, even Gabriel, freaked people out. Okay, not just Michael. We know Michael probably has an eye patch and all this stuff, right? We all, we get that. But even Gabriel, he's a pretty bad dude. So, so Zechariah is doing this, and all of a sudden, ah! he freaks out. There's this angel right there. And Gabriel goes through his script. And his first thing is, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Get used to saying that. But then he says this, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Whoa, 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 time out, time out, time out. Whoop, hold up, time out, time out. I stopped praying that prayer 20 years ago. He's an old man now. I, I kind of don't think he's still praying that. But it is what he said. Hey, your prayer's been heard. You got a son coming. Whoa! Okay, this is a really big day for Zachariah. Big deal. He continues. Um, and you will have joy and gladness. And, <laughs> joy and gladness. I almost said gladlessness. That's not what he said. Joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Isn't that cool? You, Zachariah, you who thought you were stigmatized, you who were labeled your whole life, you have this incredible privilege. Your wife, who's too old, she's going to conceive, and your son is going to be a prophet in the order of Elijah to make way for the coming of the Lord. How? Wow! Wow! He's in there for a while. We don't know how long he's in there. Now, I suppose normally it must just be a quick thing. Okay? It's like you light it. It smells good, the smoke goes up, and you leave, and everybody's happy. Well, they're getting a little concerned, right? Um, oh, uh, um, 
So, <laughs> I jumped ahead. I forgot to tell his response, okay? Sorry. His response. You got to see his response here. After he hears this. Okay? Now, this is really amazing news, right? You think, this is awesome. But he, he's, he's trying to do the math in his head. And he knows math. Okay? He knows math. This is Zachariah. He's a smart guy. So, he says, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And Gabriel just looks at him flatly. I am Gabriel. <laughs> it's so great. What a, he's like, have you even seen me? Do you see? Do you see? Is this normal for you? Does this happen very often? And he says, look. I stand in the presence of God, Zachariah, like the real presence of God. And I was sent to speak to you and bring you this good news. And behold, you're going to be silent and unable to talk because until, the, until the day that these things take place because you didn't believe my words, which will be fulfilled. Because, Zechariah, I told you something amazing was happening. I'm amazing. And you were like, me, 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 me. So, boom. <laughs> and he starts arguing. Must have tried to deal with that for a long time. Because they're expecting him to come out quickly. This is where I was going. They're expecting him to come out quickly, but he doesn't, right? So the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering at his delay in the temple. Now it was said before that they would tie a bell around the priest's leg when he or around his waist when he walked in because they were afraid of the presence of God slays him. I wonder if they thought that happened. They're like, oh no, Zechariah is dead. What do we do? But he's not dead. And he comes out, and, and he comes out of the temple. Uh, uh, when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, and they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs for them and remained mute. And when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. And after these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. And he was like, looked at her stomach and said, <laughs> you like that? Thanks. <laughs> so now he's got nine months to prepare his heart for the promise. The promise is given. Now comes the time to prepare your heart for its fulfillment. Okay? Second promise. Here you have this young girl named Mary. Mary was young, guys. She would have been from 12 to 14 probably. People married at a very young age. And, and here she is. We don't know anything about her except that she had found favor with the Lord. Something about this girl's heart. I think we can see why as you go a little bit further and see the way her heart responds. That there's something in her that the Lord said, there she is right there. There she is. Then an angel comes to her. She's just having tea in the afternoon. That's it. And the angel, there's Gabriel. <sighs> Greetings, O oh favored one. The Lord is with you. Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give uh, to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Wow. Wow. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Now, all of us who just read the Zechariah account, we're like, don't say that. 
don't say that. No, not that question. But thankfully, the Lord doesn't all hold us all to the exact same, you know, like external standard. Like he judges us from the heart, right? And he looks at where we're at, our understanding. So this was not a priest that had walked with the Lord for decades. This was a young girl who was like also doing math. And she did math in her head. She's like, I don't know how everything works, but I'm pretty sure I know how that works and how. And, he, and, and the angel does not strike her mute or anything. He just smiles. The angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the, ch uh, therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this uh, is the sixth month uh, with her who was called barren. He's like, yeah, I delivered that message too, by the way. It was awesome. You should have seen it. Keeps going. Uh, For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it, be let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be according to your word. And now the waiting begins. She's got nine months to prepare her heart for the fulfillment of the promise. So once again, an announcement is made. A promise is given. The preparation of the heart begins. And this is where we bring Advent to us. We saw two ancient examples of the coming of Christ for the first time. And look at what, how Mary responded when it came to her. Because we're going we're gonna to mirror her. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna try to do what she did here. Check this out. When she heard, you know what she did? She pondered and she went to praise. She pondered and she wrote a song. One of the great songs of the New Testament, the Magnificat. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who, who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. He, 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 do you, you start to see a theme? She didn't say, look at me. He, oh my goodness, did you see what he just did? Hey, look at how magnificent he is. Look what he just did to little old me. You know, I don't know how in the world you prepare your heart after just hearing that you're going to bear the Son of God in your body and he's going to save the world. I don't know how you do that. That's, that's too big for me to imagine on a lot of different levels, actually. How do you do, but you know what she seems to do? Back in my YWAM days, we always heard this, and it's one of the classic YWAM cliches. You do the possible, you let God do the impossible. Okay, the impossible apparently is being taken care of. The possible is this, I ready myself. I ready my own heart. 
and I look up. So here we are today. I've shown you Mary, I've shown you Zachariah, and I'm going to show a picture of yourself. It's an actual, actual photograph. There you are. Here's the promise. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of, of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send out his angels with a trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Here's the promise. He's coming back. That's good news. He's coming back. Christ is coming back to make all things right. All the injustice of the world, he's, he, he's going to set those things right. He's going he's to build a new heaven and a new earth. That he's coming back, and it's all going to be made new. But as C.S. Lewis says, when the author steps out on the stage, the play is over. It's over. So... We, as the people of God, have to prepare ourselves for that eventuality that he's going to come. And, and, and when he comes, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to be ready. We're going to have to be ready. You're going to have to be ready. Are you ready? Part of the Christian life is about preparation of our hearts. And that's what Advent's about. Preparation of our hearts for the fulfillment of that promise. You know, Mary and Zachariah, they both knew they had around nine months or so for this thing to happen. We don't know how long it's going to be for our promise to be fulfilled. We just don't. Some people think they do. And when you meet those people, run. Because they don't know. I promise you, they don't know. They're trying to do math, but they don't know that much math. <laughs> Even if they have cool billboards, they don't know that much math, I guarantee you. So here we go. We don't know when the fulfillment will come. Therefore, we have to prepare our hearts, and we have to, to prepare our hearts regularly, actually. And that's one of the reasons I love this idea of taking specific time to do this kind of thing, because there, there are certain things that we need to come back to again and again, because we really don't know when he's going to come. You guys, he could come tomorrow. I don't know. I don't know. That fact has been used to try to scare people in the kingdom, and I don't think that works very often. Um, but I, let me tell you, it is true that he is coming back. And, and none of us know when that's going to be. So it, it's good for us to reflect on that and say, am I, am I ready? Heart, are you ready? Here's my question. How do we prepare our hearts for Christ's return? How do we do it? Now, there's so much that can be said on this. But I just want to give you three little things. The first is this. By inspecting our, our hearts for sin and for hurt, okay? Inspecting our hearts for sin and for hurt. David said, search me and know my heart, O God. See if there be any wrong thing in me. And this is a wonderful exercise for us as believers to sit down and say, Lord, search me. Lord, search me. Lord, have I, have, have I sinned against you? And if, if it's yes, then we don't stay there and we go, well, nobody's perfect. No, that's not the way you prepare your heart. If he says, yes, you have then we come and we can truly repent and offer those things uh, uh, back to him. And you guys, he's so free with his forgiveness that it's so silly of us to ever try to justify ourselves in the first place. Search our hearts for sin. The second is search our, search our heart for hurt as well, not just sin. You see, we can try to deny a lot of these things, but it, your heart knows, you know? Your heart knows. 
And to look and to see those things and to acknowledge those things is very important. And it's going to come into play in this next, uh, this, this next point. The second way we can prepare our hearts is by renouncing our rights to self-justification and to revenge for those hurts. You see, for self-justification, a lot of times when you search your heart and you see, well, I shouldn't have done that, there is such a quick thing that happens. It's this resistance that rises up, and it's automatic pretty much, because this is the world we live in, and the world has tainted us in so many different ways. And you look and say, I did say that. And suddenly the resistance comes in and goes, yeah, but it wasn't really your fault. You know what I'm talking? Anybody ever experienced that resistance? Okay, all right, all right. So there's this self-justifying thing that's going to want to come in and say this isn't a big deal. This isn't a big deal. But guys, if we're truly preparing our hearts for his return, part of that preparation is by renouncing any of that and saying, nope, I won't blame anybody, actually. I will not try to justify myself because I have no ability to do so. I have no ability to go back and change the past and, 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 and fix the things that, that I did. And that means what I'm going to have to do is trust Jesus, that his sacrifice is enough for me. You see how this, this leans on him, doesn't it? Justification tries to pick it up ourselves, right? But true repentance and true renunciation of that says, I can't do it, so I'm going to have to trust you, Jesus. I have no ability to go back and fix those things. I have no ability to go back and fix my own heart. It's going to have to be you. So the more we find in there, the more we give to him. And you know what? Then you can just start pleading guilty left and right. Yes, I did that. I shouldn't have done that. I'm not going to try to defend myself, though. Yep, I did that. You know what? My heart's kind of a wreck right now, Jesus. So I'm just going to pile all this stuff before you and say, Lord, can you come in and fix all this? And can you just take this? Because I made a mess. You know what? I think he loves that kind of prayer. I really do. I think, he, I think he dances around that kind of prayer. He goes, finally, why are you trying to defend yourself so long? You like work yourself and do a little tizzy here trying to make it all. You can't make it right. You can't make it right. I can't make it right. It's a massive waste of energy. And it makes you depressed too, trying to defend yourself so often. Trusting Jesus into eternity because he's coming back. He's really coming back. So you trust that he can take care of your sinful places. Also, this, see, this is the second part of this. By renouncing our right to revenge. By renouncing our right to, to take the, the hurts that we have and to, to, to demand justice. There's a, here's, you guys, we don't get that long on this earth. That's the sad part. We don't. It's just a fact. And we're not that big. So there's going to be a lot of things that happen that we're just not going to be able to fix. There's going to be bad people that do things, that get away with it. You know that? And, and, and I, so what are we going to do about that? You see, if you don't believe in the supernatural and you don't believe in the next life, this will drive you absolutely mad for your entire life because you will see people get away with things. You absolutely will. But see, as believers, we know this. Jesus is coming back. And all of those people are going to have to stand before him. You guys, that's actually really wonderful news. You see, you can look at the mass murderers of history, one of whom just passed away a week and a half ago, and we can look and say, he got away with that his entire life, and we know people who have been victimized by that man, by that dictator. 
and he really was a wicked dictator. And we could say, why did he not get justice? Why didn't we invade and take you? You should have been locked up. You should have had to stand in trial for all the pastors he threw into prison for decades and all the thousands of people that he butchered. But see, we don't have to do that. See, we as believers say, you know what? He's going to have to stand before Jesus. He doesn't get away with anything. You see, this is why God says, vengeance is mine. He says, vengeance is mine. He doesn't say, I'm vengeful. He goes, just give it to me. It's mine. It, they're all going to have to stand before me. We pursue justice in this life. We, we pursue uh, uh, reconciliation all different ways. We pursue justice for those oppressed. But we understand that we're, we're still in an imperfect place. But all those things that we can't get to, including personal offenses, including people who have hurt us. Some of you were hurt as children by, by authority figures and people who were supposed to love you. And you need to know, those people will stand before God. Even if they got away, uh, got away with it in this life, they will stand before God someday. And you guys, that's good news. Because he's a just God. And we can leave that in his hands. I don't even know what to do with this. This made a wreck of my life and all these other lives. I don't even know what to do with this. Can you just take this? And he says, I'll take it. And don't you worry. Don't you worry. You see, part of this, guys, is just realizing that we're small and he's big. How do we prepare our hearts before him? We say, I'm small. You're big. Finally, the third way is by simply trusting in the Prince of Peace. Take a page out of Mary's playbook. The situation was too big, so she simply trusted, and she wrote that song. He did this. You did this, Lord. You are massive. How am I going to raise the Son of God? I have no idea. How am I going to discipline the Son of God? I have no idea. What if he doesn't eat all his cereal? What am I going to do? Lord, it's you. You're the one. You're good. You're magnificent. I don't know what I'm doing, but that's okay because you do. You see? That's peace. You guys, there is a special kind of peace available to all of us who realize how small we are. You see, if you think you're big and you can take care of it all, do you realize the pressure that you're going to carry around your entire life? Do you realize that? i got to fix everything. i got to fix everything. This is why guys go into depression so easily when something happens that they can't control. i got to fix it. You can't fix it. Believe me, I've tried in my own situations. and You can't fix that. What are you trying to do? Well, i gotta, I got to have some measure of control. You never controlled anything. And I wonder sometimes if Gabriel's like, can I just go down there and talk to him? <laughs> like, no. Can I strike him mute? No, not this time. Not this time. But there's a measure of peace when you're able to, to resign those things and say, this situation, Lord, is too big for me. So, Lord, I need to prepare my heart for your coming. See, and when you come, everything's going to be set right. So how do I prepare my heart for that day? Certainly not trying, by trying to do it all myself. So I'm going to do this, and I'm going to pull out all these things that are weighing me down, and I'm going to lay them down, and I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. You guys, that's a picture of peace where the inner turmoil is done, where we're not trying to prop ourselves up anymore, when we're not trying to prove anything to God anymore. He came once, he's going to come again. The fulfillment of the promise. Uh, this man, for nine months, his heart, he waited and waited, and then he saw the fulfillment of the promise. You guys, we will see the fulfillment of the promise. Jesus Christ came once. He will come again. 
And until that day, in this season, we wait. And we breathe. And we say, Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in my heart as it is in heaven. Peace on earth, he says. Peace on earth, goodwill toward men. This is a day when we can embrace peace because he's come and he's coming again. Let's stand. Prayer servant team, I invite you to come forward. If you have prayer for anything whatsoever, go to these guys. Let's get some, let's get some prayer and ministry into that. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are faithful. Even as Paul says, even when we are faithless, you are faithful, for you cannot deny yourself. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. We thank you for your goodness, and we thank you that you really do carry all of our burdens. So help us, Lord, to give them over to you. Help us, Lord, to wait for you with hearts full of anticipation and expectation and the peace that passes all understanding. And we ask this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.